0: What's up, everybody? Sports Talk, Unfiltered, Unapologetic, back for episode 7, Thursday, April 11th, 2019. I've been gone for a couple weeks. We hit Maui, me and the family, wife and kids. Our friend's wedding was in Maui at the Oluwalu Plantation House, super cool venue. We were uh, lucky and blessed enough to get my godparents' timeshare at the uh, Kanapali Beach Club for a few days. That was a super cool place to stay. It's me and my wife's actually second time being there. Kids first time. So it got some rest rest and relaxation. Uh, Missed a little bit while I was gone, but not too much. This is, I don't lay too heavy on this, but a little bit of the slower time of the sports season to me at least. The college basketball tournament's winding down and just finished up. Baseball's just getting started. It's definitely a slower NFL news cycle time right now. And then the NBA playoffs are just about to get started. The seeds are out, and their season was winding down. So you got a lot of kind of meaningless games going on in that league beyond the playoff teams that were involved as the seeds are usually already set. We do have some exciting stuff coming up. Game of Thrones is starting up in a few Sundays. My wife and uh, I'm sure tons of you out there are juiced about that. NFL schedule comes out next Thursday, the 18th. Look for that to start leaking earlier in that day. So before they even have the shows announcing who plays who, we'll probably already all know. Uh, the NFL draft is on Thursday. I believe it is the 27th, which will be, I'm sorry, the 25th. So that's some exciting time right, right there. The playoffs in the NBA, like I said before, that's that's a lot better and more high-intense competition than during the regular season. So I, I enjoy the NBA playoffs myself. I'm going to hit a bunch of different topics today. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Virginia's run. It's actually a historic run this year in the men's basketball tournament, considering that they lost last year to a 16-seed as a 1-seed. We're going to talk about also Magic Johnson quitting on the Lakers after I think it was about two years. I did not see that coming. I don't think a lot of people did, at least this early. I'm going to talk about uh, some domestic violence stuff going on with a couple of former UFC guys and some others, uh, Matt Hughes and BJ Penn. I'm also going to talk about Twitter and how that is basically up to the date by the second, how you can get your sports information and how most of us who are on there do. I was talking about that earlier uh, today. Uh with my main dude, Bob. And uh, we, I wanted to kind of, I thought it was kind of be kind of something cool to talk about. And then I'm going to go over the basketball seeds for the NBA. So we got a little bit to catch up on here since I didn't do a pod last week. Let's start with Virginia last year. And actually the last few years, the Cavaliers man under Tony Bennett, he used to coach at Washington state. His dad, Dick Bennett was a longtime coach, For whatever reason, I'm blanking on right now what school, but I don't even know if he ever went to a Final Four or won a national title. I don't think he did. But Tony has been a pretty damn good college coach for a while. He left Washington State and went to Virginia, which is in the ACC. He's won the regular season with Virginia in the ACC, I think three or four of the last five years, which is no easy feat considering that conference is flat out stacked. They got Duke. They got North Carolina. Uh, Syracuse has joined that conference now along with Louisville. I mean, that conference is got the who's who of college basketball in it other than Kentucky and UCLA, which UCLA right now is a doormat anyway, even though they still probably have the most titles in in basketball history. The Pac-12, to be honest, kind of is just a crap conference when it comes to football and basketball, unfortunately. And I don't know if money has something to do with it or what, but... Anyway, Virginia, the last couple of years, again, has choked. Last year, they became the first one seed ever to get bounced in the opening round to a 16 seed. It was bound to happen at some point, uh, but it wasn't shocking that it was them because the year before that, I think they were a one seed in the year before that, the last two years, and I think they lost in like the round of 32 and maybe maybe the Sweet 16 one of those years, but they had never even sniffed the final four. so. Here they come this year, opening round. Now, this team that they played, to be totally honest with you, I really can't even um, remember who they had on their team. It's kind of most 16 seeds, you never even know who they are. But this Garner-Webb team actually, I think, beat two teams in the ACC earlier in the year. So, of course, Virginia draws them. They're down 14 points at one point in the first half of their opening game. And I think everybody's looking up like, oh, my God, here we go again. Well, they weathered that and ended up beating them. Then they go into the second round, and they – I can't remember exactly off the top of my head who they played, but they they won by 12 points over a decent team. I don't think it was Maryland, but it was somebody like that. Then they played Oregon, who was hot, I mean red hot. Uh, I think they had won like 14 or 15 straight games and they ended up beating Oregon in a tight game where they pulled away a little bit at the end. Then they beat Purdue in a nail biter where I think um, I forget that kid's name that plays center for Virginia. He's got really, really good defensive and, and shot blocking ability. Uh, I think his name's like Mamby Dicayte or something. I, I know I'm just butchering the pronunciation of that, but I like that kid a lot. I think he'll be he'll be a good player at the NBA level. He hit a buzzer beater, I believe, to beat Purdue. So that was a close game. That put them um, into the Final Four. Now, I was in Hawaii. We were taking a break from the pool. I sit down on the couch. I'm watching the game with my kid, with my son, who actually, I, that basketball's the one sport he'll kind of sit there and pay attention to a little bit. He's only eight, so I haven't got him there quite yet. But we're watching the, the uh, Virginia... And Auburn game, and Auburn goes up on them, I want to say, 10 or 11 points with, I mean, it wasn't a lot of time left. It was was very little time left. And somehow, Virginia maybe gets a stop or two. They hit, I think, a couple threes, and they just clamped down on Auburn, and Auburn can't make any shots either. So next thing you know, it is going down to, I think, 17 seconds, something like that. There's They're down four. I think they hit another bucket. And then basically what happens is Auburn is up two and Virginia has the ball as time's about to go out. Kid from Virginia in the corner, I think his name's Kyle Guy, number five, shoots up a three from the corner and misses, but he gets fouled for three free throw shots. Hits all three of them and they win the game by one and go to the final game. Where they just beat Texas Tech, who was red hot. I mean, Texas Tech demolished Michigan in the Elite Eight. I mean, uh, that game was, that was, it was brutal. I think that might actually, I'm sorry, that might have been the Sweet 16. And then I think Texas Tech beat Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. And then they beat, um, I believe it was Michigan State in the Final Four to get to the finals. So Texas Tech, man, was no, Slouch, they were a formidable opponent for Virginia to play in the finals. Well, of course, that game ends in regulation. Tied, they go to overtime. And then Virginia just kind of took over at that point. And uh Texas Tech, man, they couldn't buy a bucket and they just you could kind of just feel the momentum really shifting away from them from the beginning of what it felt like the overtime. So congrats to them and Tony Bennett. That's a really cool feat to you go in the one seed the year prior lose to a 16 and then you're down at half by four, you know, not at half, but close to half the opening round to a 16 again, down 14. And they just fought back and won and they kind of weathered the storm the whole way, winning a bunch of games where they never really dominated. So that, that was a, that's an impressive feat and impressive win for them. I was happy to see that for Bennett and get the monkey off his back, so to speak, and, and pull a a national title and get a chip for Virginia. So, that was an exciting game, and a couple games for them, and, and congrats to them. And we'll see what shakes out next year. But now Virginia, I think, will have a little bit more swagger and be kind of the new dog in town uh, to go along with these other classic programs. We'll see though if Bennett can keep rolling in the recruits and and having them play his style of defense and and winning at the level they have been. <laughs> transitioning onto magic and the Lakers now who baby man that thing caught me off guard I cannot lie I mean I shouldn't have because the Lakers are a complete you know what show but magic quitting on them after two years was a little surprising I have to admit and I think most of the sports world feels that way uh, they I think In my opinion, and this is all speculation, like anything else, we're sports fans are on the outside. Okay, even media members and other people, what they report, the problem is half those guys are looking for clicks or to make a name, so you don't know a lot of the time if what they're saying or reporting has merit to it as well. But if I had to guess, I think that Magic, along with Genie Bus and Rob Palinka and whoever else is in that front office calling the shots, I don't think Magic probably had the control and say that he probably wanted. And I think when they brought LeBron James in, some of them didn't know what they were getting themselves into with how it works. When LeBron goes in there, he runs things. And that's the way it's been pretty much for a while. Now, he didn't in Miami because Pat Riley wasn't going to let that happen. But he didn't need to. That was the whole point of having him, Wade, and Bosh go together. Once you have Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron in their primes, which the LeBron that was in Miami was the best LeBron of his career. I don't care what anyone says. He's still a great player now. He averaged 27 88. and and he was still great in Cleveland. But the years that LeBron was in Miami was peak LeBron, okay? Then you had Dwayne Wade, probably a little past his peak, but still a primetime player, and Chris Bosh is your third guy. So it really didn't matter who else they had around him. As you can see, they had, I think, Mario Chalmers, And some other stiff in there when they were winning titles. And LeBron couldn't control the narrative there because of Riley is just not that guy. Pat Riley isn't going to be bossed around by anybody or their camp. However, like I said, he didn't need to. Goes back to Cleveland. And part of that deal was he gained control of decision making. Now, him and his camp can sit there and say he didn't, but that's the way it was. Okay. He was the GM of the Cavs, basically. And when he got to L.A., I think that was part of the deal. I think he had told Jeannie Bus, maybe even Magic, Rob Palinka, whoever, before he signed with the Lakers, I'm going to move my family down there and roll my kids in school. I'm going to play for you guys, but I'm going to need some this and that done for you to, in order to help me win. Well, what happened was the Lakers basically had everyone on the roster other than him on the trading block at one point. And then... Anthony Davis's agent in camp is what really messed things up because they leaked all that information. And then that locker room got poisoned. And you could tell all those young players were pissed. Starting with the one guy you needed on that team to basically be LeBron's kind of robin to his Batman who was Kyle Kuzma. Once Kuzma and a few of those guys, you know, found out they were trade bait. Of course it's not going to be the same when they're showing up to work every day. I think that this last half of the season and a little before that, probably the last 40 or 50 games or so has been just a total dramatic nightmare inside the Lakerland front office, locker room, whatever you got a lame duck coach there and Luke Walton, another guy LeBron doesn't want. And is just waiting to get fired. I'm surprised he hasn't been canned already being that the season's over and they didn't make the playoffs. And, Magic, I think, like anybody else, if you're a winner, you know what winning's about. You know the culture, everything. So he can smell a wet turd when he steps in one like the rest of us, okay? And every day when he's walking into that building, he's just walking through turdies, okay? And that whole place was just filled with garbage by the end of the season. What are they going to do, huh? Are they going to come back with the same roster of guys and go through the same thing next year? They'd be crazy to. I think what you have to do is some damage control. You probably have to sit down and talk to James. You probably have to sit down and talk to a couple more guys like Kuzma or whoever. And then you try to woo Anthony Davis to still go there. And then you come back next year and you got AD, you got LeBron, you got Kuzma. I don't know if they're going to keep Lonzo Ball or a few of the other guys, but at least you can kind of do some damage control. I think magic probably just doesn't have the energy or wherewithal to sit through that and try to make all that happen. You got to remember magic's a really bright businessman, a real smart guy. Okay. He doesn't have this multi-million and we're talking hundred millions of dollars empire for nothing. He's as bright as they come when it comes to business, man. And I think that when you have a guy who knows what he's doing and has made money like that and has been a winner his whole entire life at pretty much anything he's ever done, and you put him in a situation where they're just losing and losing, and he's probably not getting his voice heard like he wanted, well, that's what happened. He went to dinner the night before, I guess, with Jeannie Buss and Rob Polinka and a couple other people and basically didn't say a word. The next day, he holds his own presser and tells everyone he's quitting. That's a savage move right there, by the way. <laughs> you don't even tell them the night before a dinner or go into the office to do it. You just hold your own presser somewhere with Channel 2 News and say, hey, I'm out. So I think that caught for everybody off guard. At the end of the day, Genie Bus can act pissed off, and so can anyone else in their front office or ownership. But Magic Johnson's royalty in Lakerland, period. Other than maybe Jerry West, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, And to be totally honest with you, those guys don't hold a candle, I don't think, still to Magic Johnson when it comes to Los Angeles. When you think of the Lakers, you think of the Showtime Lakers, you think of all the titles they won, which Magic won five of them, you think of him. So he can step foot in that arena or building at any time, and every fan in there is going to have his back and be happy to see him. So they can be upset and mad, but at the end of the day, he's still a huge, huge part of their rich and historic culture, and that's not going to change. Even him quitting's not. It still is just something that speaks volumes to just what a cluster that that franchise is right now. And it's going to be really, really interesting to see how they handle this off season and what they do moves wise. It hasn't been talked about much, but honest to God, man, I I don't know if I would keep Lonzo and Kuzma and a, and a few of those guys, and I'd consider trading James. And I understand he averaged 27-8-8 and 8 last year, but he's still going to be, I think, 35 years old. And there's some tread on the tires. You know, there's some tread on the tires. And I don't know if you are going to be able to win with him there as the number one guy. I think that that idea, depending on what you can get back for him, should at least be talked about in their front office. If not you keep him there with the current roster and you bring no other superstar in, just look for another 30 win season because that's what's happening around there. (laughs) Guys, it doesn't really need to be said, does it when it comes to domestic violence, right? I think everybody pretty much has the same viewpoint and feelings about that, but you got guys smacking around their chicks and, and, actually, you know, beating on them and doing stuff like that, intimidating them, you know, that stuff's, it's really kind of bottom of the barrel, man. You, you've you reached new lows. I don't pass judgment on situations that I don't know about. So in other words, when you hear stories, especially with celebrities, we don't always know the truth. Now, does that say you discredit what the women's accusing the guy of? No. Does it also discredit you when the guy denies it? No. But I think that the latest couple of things I'm hearing and I wanted to talk about it because the stuff that BJ Penn's girlfriend, BJ Penn is a legend in UFC circles. Uh, he's from Hilo, Hawaii, and he's the first ever American to win um, the a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt tournament back when everyone and their mother w- wasn't doing Jiu Jitsu uh, probably about 15 years ago or so, maybe 20. and. Came up in the UFC and was just legendary for kind of getting in there and just scrapping, basically. That used to be his motto. One of his rivals was Matt Hughes. He's another guy that's been in uh, some issues lately. Hughes, as a lot of people know, I don't know the full story about this. It just seems kind of weird, but he was in his truck. I think the truck, for whatever odd reason, broke down. How, I don't know, but right on the middle of railroad tracks. And how, I don't know this, how he didn't get out of the truck in time, but he didn't. And the truck got hammered by a train, and the guy almost died and left him partially kind of crippled and really messed up. Well, just a few weeks ago, his wife comes out and says, Hey, this guy has been in a rage lately, and I don't know if it's his medicine or whatever, you know, he can't handle it, that he's coming down from recovery and he's not the same person anymore. CTE, they don't know, but she's saying that. This guy is over there threatening her, choking her in the shower. Um, and there's some real redneck weirdo stuff, too, where his, his twin brothers uh, got a restraining order against him because he's saying that Hughes went and threatened his, his nephew or, you know, his twin brother's son while the twin brother's son was on their tractor. And Hughes is now suing him for the tractor because he says the tractor is his. And that's some weird farm crap. But... BJ Penn, that just came out today, and that's some much serious stuff. The girlfriend's basically saying this guy's only gotten fights in the past so he can go to training camp and be clean. The rest of the time when he's not fighting, he's basically a drug addict and always threatening me and beating me up and this and that and this and that. It's some real uh, heavy allegations, man. And the reason I even brought this stuff up is because I think mixed martial arts um, – has gotten so popular the past 10 15 years or so it's blown up and it's kind of cool to see it's a great sport there's a uh, the great thing about mixed martial arts is when two guys are in there fighting they can kickbox they can wrestle they can do Muay Thai jujitsu. there's all kinds of different ways to try to beat your opponent some guys point fight which I'm not the hugest fan of but there's politics involved in that sport also if you don't win you're usually not around for long. And sometimes guys need to do what they can to win. But the elite elite guys, I don't think people realize how good you have to be to be at that top level. They'll go in there and they're fighting the best of the best and they still finish guys, uh, whether it's a, some type of tapping them out with a choke or some type of arm or neck crank or whatever else and or a knockout. And these guys at that level... There's a lot of money to be made, too, once you get to the top. And I think with the latest thing, with Dillashaw getting popped for PEDs and a lot of the other fighters recently have, too, even them bringing in USADA, which is basically United States anti-doping agency. They're supposed to be testing guys a lot like the NFL does, okay? But the NFL... Kind of didn't, I don't think, want to address domestic violence and CTE and these other issues until they had to, okay, until they were faced to do it because the public was starting to find out about it. And I think the UFC and other uh, orgs, fight orgs like Bellator, or whatever, should get ahead of this if they can and start to look into other proactive ways to prevent guys from absorbing the punishment. That's unnecessary, That which could lead them to CTE. Now, it's pessimistic and accusatory for me to say, well, Matt Hughes and BJ Penn have CTE, and that's why they're committing these crimes or, or being accused of this stuff, or that, that's why they're doing this, when we don't even know if they really did do it. We know they're being accused of it, and I'm not one to take that lightly, but I just think it's, it brought it to light to me that maybe this is something that they would be smart and kind of looking into some type of program of monitoring how certain training camps with some of these guys go. It also could bring to light another topic that I usually get laughed off the, you know, internet or wherever else I'm discussing this, but I've always felt that fighters should fight at their natural weight. I think weight cutting is insane. I've never liked the idea of it. I understand that wrestlers have done it for years, but I've never kind of understood that, right? So you go and, cut all this weight so you can weigh in at a certain amount and then you go home after that and rehydrate with fluids and other stuff and you come back to wrestle that person the next day or fight that person the next day and you're at a completely different weight. Well, when you're cutting weight like that to to make a certain weight that you're going to fight at and some of these guys are cutting like 30 or 40 pounds or some crazy crap like that within like 10 days or something or two weeks. I mean, it's just... What does that do to your kidneys and your organs and other stuff? A lot of these guys, man, end up in the hospital because they have kidney failure or other things that go on with their bodies because it's not natural and and healthy to be cutting weight like that. And the UFC, I'll, I'll point the finger at more than anyway because they're the biggest organization. They don't step up to regulate stuff like that. If you had guys basically with some type of requirement, like whatever you're weighing in at, You need to weigh within that or maybe like five pounds of it or something like that the next night when you go to fight. Then you wouldn't have guys cutting weight and doing all this crazy crap, um, taking certain juice or roids basically that helps you cut weight. And they could also regulate a lot of these guys' training camps more too. I mean, I think they have the money to do it. They just don't want to step in and and do stuff like that. But if you're all about fighter safety and fighters' well-beings, then that's something that you should consider because if you have guys all hopped up on EPO and other stuff, and that obviously is going to heighten the chances of domestic violence and things like that going on because putting those two and two together is a dangerous combination. A guy getting all jacked up on that stuff and then going in training and they're a trained killer. They got a lot of pressure on them to win. That's how they feed their families, blah, blah, blah. Um, I just think it's something that that the fight organizations should consider looking into. I don't think they'll do it, but it still, to me, would be for everyone's protection and well-being if they did. So again, I don't know what's going to happen with Hughes and or BJ Penn. I hope both of them didn't do it, and they are innocent. And if that's how it was, then I really think that there should be some some type of you know. Repercussions, or you know, some other type of reprimandation on the other end for people accusing these guys of doing stuff that they didn't do. Um, but you know, we just don't know because we're not there, and that's the unfortunate thing: is you you don't always know who's telling the truth. But I certainly don't take victims' accusations lightly. And if a fighter is pleading his innocence, I don't just necessarily not believe him either. It's kind of a tough spot to be in. I just think that. Again, these orcs could put these guys in better positions to be healthier and in better states of mind. So I'm rolling home from work today, and uh, me and my me and my main dude Bob talking on the phone, and uh, you know we were talking about the schedule coming out for the NFL next Thursday, and I go, hey, you know, do you think that? Um, we're going to know most of the schedule anyway, before like the shows come on. He goes, yeah, of course. Like, and they'll start leaking that stuff in the morning. And then by like mid midday, we'll, we'll know the whole schedule for, for the Niners. So who's our team, obviously. And, and everyone's schedule, every NFL fan will. And he made up a good point and it's kind of, you know, been like this for quite some time. But if you're a hardcore sports fan, you need to get Twitter. Okay. Because all of the major media guys and even guys who are like me or other people who aren't getting paid by the media, but they follow sports very closely, guys who have the ear of, of certain people in the NFL, NBA, baseball, whatever, MMA, they're constantly posting this stuff live as it happens, as you know. So Twitter is is the one place where when some news breaks, it's there first, way before anywhere else, before Facebook, definitely before TV, before radio, which is on commercials half the time anyway. Um, And Twitter is awesome for that aspect. And we were kind of talking about that earlier. It's it's just a super, super cool platform and place to be on and check if you want to know up-to-date info about stuff that's going on. So next Thursday when the NFL schedule comes out on the 18th, be checking Twitter and you'll start to see your team's games right away. That also is a place to go when there's going to be trade deadlines for you know, football, baseball, basketball, all the time. Things like that. Free agency periods for the NFL. It's, it's awesome. Pretty much any type of time that you're looking to get the latest sports news and updates, you go there first. You don't wait for SportsCenter to come on and other things like that. So that that's a really really cool feature about Twitter. It's literally at you know up to the minute. So <clears throat> a lot of people I think prefer, um, especially millennials, you know, Instagram and uh, Snapchat and a few of these other platforms. Facebook is just something that everybody has, right? Because you can always keep in touch with your family and friends and things like that. And that's a cool place to have discussions as well but I've kind of always enjoyed Twitter the most because of that live up to the minute time frame that they live on. And you can also have cool discussions in there too. Um, obviously, you know, you're going to have schmucks every platform you're on, right? There's going to be dweebs and trolls on all these, on all these places. But, you know, you just, when, when you get, when you get people like that grilling you or whatever, you just, you just ignore them or, You know, tell them, you know, go away, Jamoke. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there, that's going to be kind of unavoidable when you're arguing about politics, sports, entertainment, whatever it is. So, anyway, yeah, I wanted to kind of just call out the elephant in the room with that and just give Twitter its due for that because it's just an awesome, awesome forum to get your live by the minute up to date info. So, be looking for that next Thursday for sure. If you want to see your NFL team's schedule by the minute as it it breaks, you'll have guys on there letting you know that immediately when games are popping up. Last segment of the day, I wanted to uh, hit the NBA playoff bracket and seeds today real quick before the playoffs started. I actually thought something that was really huge, in my opinion at least, is that Boston and Philly got out of that four-five slot and they snuck up to the three and four. And so, what that in the Eastern Conference, what that basically means is Milwaukee's the one, and Toronto's the two, Philly's the three, and Boston's the four. So that sets up if Boston can take care of Indiana, Philadelphia can take care of the Nets, and obviously, I think Toronto beating Orlando, the two-seven and 1-8 Milwaukee beating Detroit is is a foregone conclusion, although you can't say that, but it should be. So that'll set up the Bucks and, and the Greek Freak playing the Celtics in the second round. That should be an awesome matchup. And then Toronto and Kawhi Leonard taking on the 76ers with Embiid, Jimmy Butler, and Ben Simmons. So technically, the Sixers and the Celtics who I liked the most when the season started to come out of the East, possibly they can still end up in the Eastern conference finals. But I think that's a win-win for the NBA Western conference is a little bit uh, different. I think the warriors, you know, I'd be shocked if they didn't come out of the West again, Uh, who wouldn't, but they they're going to play the Clippers, which I actually didn't like. I would have rather them played San Antonio even, or someone else. Oklahoma city is a dangerous kind of team to play. Just because Paul George has been so good this year, you always have Westbrook who plays hard. And I think that they should take care of Portland, even though Portland's the three and, and Oklahoma City's the six. There's only four games that separated them the whole season. So I, I like Oklahoma City as a 60 to take out Portland. Denver's playing the Spurs. I think Denver will handle the Spurs. Spurs are just, you know, still a well coached team, well oiled machine. But I don't think they have – they don't have the, the guys to to run with Denver kind of. Denver's a lot younger and just a better team. Jokic is a really good player. The Warriors and Clippers again, I, I don't know if that will be a sweep. I think the Clippers are a really scrappy, underrated team, man. Um, Doc Rivers, if he doesn't get coach of the year consideration, that would be nuts. I mean, uh, he's done a great job with them. Then Houston and Utah, I think, is an underrated series. I think that's a really good series. And I I still think Houston will probably come out in that. And then they'll end up playing the Warriors in the second round. So I think the Warriors, for whatever reason, uh, kind of have had their issues with Houston sometimes. Um, And they haven't had them with Denver. So I I think you're going to see them have a couple little scrappy games against the Clippers in Houston on um, the first and second round. And then they'll probably, I'm guessing, play Denver in the uh, third round because I think Denver, the only way I don't think the Warriors play Denver is if Oklahoma City beats Portland and then they beat Denver in round two, which could happen. But I don't see it happening, but it could. I mean, the Thunder was all, still at the end of the day, only five games worse out of 82 than the Nuggets. And the Nuggets, they have Jokic, but they don't have that you know great of a supporting cast and definitely not another superstar. So we'll see. I, I think Oklahoma City and the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals again would be cool. That would be um, definitely get some buzz going to it, even though I think the Warriors will, will dispatch them and handle them. It's kind of uh, bittersweet seeing the Warriors play their final game at Oracle the other night. They'll be moving on to the Chase Center, which is right next to AT&T Park. In San Francisco, I bet that place is just going to be an awesome, awesome arena and venue to go watch the Warriors play, go to concerts, other stuff that they're going to have there. And I think that um, it's kind of sad for me for Oakland, right? But now that Oakland is lost, are going to lose the Raiders, they're losing the Warriors. And so it really kicks into gear. And I know this doesn't have to do with the NBA playoff brackets, but I'm bringing it up anyway. Oakland needs to get the A's a stadium. They need to keep the A's because if they let the A's walk out of there too, they'll have lost three sports franchises, including the Raiders twice in like a 10 year span. And actually, um, well, that's if the A's thing happens, you know, soon. I don't think the A's are going anywhere, especially now that the Raiders are leaving and the Warriors are, but they're going to lose the Raiders and Warriors in a two year span Warriors next year and the Raiders the year after. So I, I think, Oakland's really, really got to get their crap together and build the A's a stadium. The A's has been a really historic and great franchise, excuse me, for that city. They deserve a new stadium, in my opinion. I think the fans, if you built a new stadium, would definitely start showing up way more in Dros. You know, the Coliseum has some mystique to it for sure. It's still cool in some ways, but it really it's a dump. Okay, when you go into these other stadiums like AT&T to watch baseball or Levi's to watch football or whatever, you know, me and a ton of my buddies, we go on a Niner road trip every year. Last year, we went to the Viking Stadium. The year before that, we were in um, Lucas Oil Stadium for Indianapolis. These places, man, are like state of the art. I mean, they're awesome venues. And then you walk in the Coliseum and it's just a dump. It just is. I mean, it's you know, you're you you're getting beer or popcorn or a hot dog or whatever, and the line's backed up, you can't even walk by those lines in the mezzanine to go take a leak. You know what I mean? It's just so outdated. And not only that, it's they have nothing around it. Nothing. It's just a parking lot. So a lot of these places now are geared, even uh, AT&T. The Giants, you know, I'm not a Giants fan, but that place is an awesome place to go watch baseball inside and out. You want to go hang out before the game or after the game? There's bars. There's tons of places to eat. You're right around the nightlife. I mean, all within walking distance if you want, right there. Oakland, man, you are you either take Bart to get in there and, or you go in there and park, and that's it. There's nowhere to walk to. You can't walk to any bars, get some brewskis with, with your boys. You can't take the family there and go to a restaurant and eat after, not without getting in your car and going somewhere or getting back on Bart and going somewhere. So. I really hope that the latest project they put up where it's, I think, somewhere near Jack London, uh, they build the A's, the stadium kind of right near the water there. And it'd be, you can go anywhere in Jack London, I would think, or somewhere around there, eat, chill, hang out at bars and places around there. That new stadium would create a ton of other new businesses around it, a ton of new jobs. It's, it's something that that city needs. So hopefully uh, the mayor and the other people there can make it happen in the A's ownership. It'd be really, really awesome. Guys, uh, I wanted to give uh, one last reminder. Again, the NFL schedule comes out Thursday the 18th next week, and then the week after that on, I guess it's the 25th, that would be, is NFL Draft Day. We got a bunch of other stuff coming up too. Cobra Kai. Guys, make sure you guys check that out on YouTube, Season 2. If you haven't watched Season 1, it's really, really honestly cool, man. If you like The Karate Kid as a as a kid, which if you grew up in the 80s, who didn't? It's a, a real classic film from our childhood. They made a series on YouTube called Cobra Kai. It's very, very good and well-written, and it's hilarious with the music and other jokes and stuff they have in there. So anyway, check that out. You can binge watch it and slam it out, and season two comes out on the 24th, which is a night before the NFL draft, so... I'm going to get with you guys next week for sure. We'll talk about the uh, schedule. I might wait until the schedule comes out and do a pod that night. And then we're definitely going to do a pod after the NFL draft too. So uh, I've missed getting on the mic and talking sports. And I'll talk to you guys next week. All right, everyone take care and have a good weekend.